everyone, Kitty here. Before we dive into the podcast, I wanted to give you a couple of reminders. The first is that we touch on a lot of sensitive subjects that could be possible emotional and trauma triggers for people. If there are any topics that you're sensitive to, we recommend that before you watch any of the movies or listen to our podcasts, you check the website doesthedogdie.com. Also, this podcast is not kid-friendly and not safe for work. Please listen responsibly. Finally, this podcast contains spoilers. If you're like me and don't like spoilers, please watch the movie before listening. Thank you, and happy haunting. This is Hounds of Horror with Max. What is a non-fatal murder? <laughs> Victor. No, you're Not, stupid. Doesn't matter how close you live to your house. But anyway. <laughs> and Kitty. A That's lot. a lot of words for I'm trying something instead of porn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Victor. I'm Max. And I'm Kitty. I'm also drinking coffee. And this is our weekly horror podcast, Towns of Horror, where we talk about horror movies. Or in this case, an action movie. It's it's horror. It's <laughs> cheesy action horror. <laughs> of the best variety. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing The Mummy! We sure are, which was a 1999 film. Yes, the 1999 Brendan Fraser mummy, not to be confused with any other mummy. Yes. Yes, there is a newer one, I suppose. And there's an older one. Yes. (laughs) There are both. Tom Cruise was in both. (laughs) Yeah, for some... I was so confused. I thought they were rebooting the series whenever that happened. and I was were. Oh. Once as a sperm and once as an adult. (laughs) Yes. Okay, well, I'm um, re-upset about... This whole situation. Real quick, just because I am a nerd and I like nerdy things, especially when it comes to shared universe things, Universal attempted... Is it Universal? Yeah. Universal attempted to have their own shared universe, kind of like Marvel, and they introduced Dracula, the Mummy, and I think there was another one that I don't remember. Frankenstein. There was a Frankenstein movie that I came out. I don't remember if that was the same universe or not. But in any case, both those movies bombed so badly that they kind of scrapped the idea for now, I guess, because they just didn't go anywhere. But they were trying to have their own like shared monster universe, and The Mummy was just... I didn't see it, but I heard that it was quite awful. And from the trailers, I could say it didn't look promising. I like The Mummy only. <laughs> just The Mummy. The, the Brendan Fraser Mummy. Not the second one, not the third one, not the old one, not the new one with Tom Cruise. The Mummy. The with Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weisz. Is it Rachel Wise? And Arnold Vosloo. Vosloo. And, um... So, yes. Thanks for stealing my thunder, guys. Uh, it is starring Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weiss, and they're the only ones that matter. If I could steal thunder, oh my gosh, <laughs> I would do it all the time. But that would be amazing, wouldn't it? <laughs> I would hide it, like, in my cupboards. <laughs> so if somebody opens one, it's like, crash! Like... Okay, you would not be able to hide it in your cupboards because I've seen your kitchen and you're like a fucking poltergeist in there. You leave all of them open all the time. <laughs> if I could fucking catch thunder, I could leave thunder where I want it. Period. You would start you would start leaving your cupboards closed instead of leaving them open every Oh yeah. <laughs> Put it in something that's used just enough that you know it would eventually get used, but not often enough to really, really like um The toilet? <laughs> no. I was thinking more like Horseradish or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd be like, you know what? I think we'll- I would go. I would sneak into churches and put some in Bibles. <laughs> oh god, that would be a great place to put them. Uh, <laughs> in the pipe organ. <laughs> the very specific key of the pipe organ. 
I have nothing against churches or anything like that, but I'm saying a Bible would be a great place to hide a clap of thunder. It would be a fantastic place. <laughs> I do have things against churches, and I also agree that it would be great. <laughs> I'm indifferent. <laughs> <laughs> so, we were talking about the mummy. Yes. Who directed this movie? I didn't even look it up. I Cut. I did. <laughs> We've all seen this movie uh, at least ten times. Yes. yes. I've actually watched it twice this year alone. That's, so Yeah, ten times each is a very conservative amount. I've watched Jurassic Park probably, I, I'm going to guess like 200 to 300 times. Literally? I'm serious. No, literally every time we play video games together, it's on in the background. Like, <laughs> Shoot! <up>. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I hear the Jurassic Park theme song. <laughs> every time. Uh, Stephen Summers. And it was written by Lloyd Fonville and others. What was the name of the Magi Cool Mystical Dude? Magi Cool Mystical Dude. Mm -hmm. You mean his actual name? Uh, I'm, I'm assuming that's not his name. Uh, Odid Fair. That's the one. He has a really cool he name. He played Ardith Bay. <laughs> Which is also a cool name. It I don't is. know. I like the name Ardith. Um, okay. New plan. We're naming our new child Ardith. Wait, 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 wait. I have a complaint. <laughs> uh, Odid Fair. He's been in other stuff, too. Yes, he has. That was the dog. I am not a fan of the dog, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> He's the most pathetic creature that ever walked your earth. He's the best dog. <sighs> um, so there you have it. He's somewhere between <laughs> the most pathetic creature that ever walked the earth and the best dog. All dogs are the best dogs. So he, Oded Fair played Ardith Bay, spelled B-A-Y, if, if uh, Google's to be believed. And then Eric Avari played Dr. Terrence Bay, Spelled B-E-Y. Oh, so they're brothers! It's different spelling. Oh. But it did make it seem like they're related. Because they, well... That was the point of they me are spelling related. it out, and I just completely glossed over <laughs> I mean, they're part of the same... What do they call them? Click. Magi. <laughs> yeah, the Magi. He, um, Oded Fair, is that what you said? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm always reluctant to pronounce names, because my co-hosts are much better at it than I am, and I usually pronounce it like... That Odin Fair guy. <laughs> um, Who what, once was in that movie once. Yeah. Uh, he once. was in... <laughs> I think it was the original. Might have been the second one. I don't remember. One of the... Res uh, second one. Resident Evil movies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He played one of the... Uh, it was the second one. The stars. I'm pretty sure it was the second one. I'm almost positive it was. Because the first one was all about being underground. Yeah, it was actually yeah, yeah. alright. If I'm being completely the first honest. first one was alright. second one was not that great. And the ones after that just kept getting worse. I heard worse. that like 11 or 52 was pretty good, <laughs> but I don't remember which it was actually, and I don't care to watch them all to figure it out. There's one where she's flying around a plane landing on top of skyscrapers and I'm like, ugh, I'm done. Like an actual plane? Like a plane. Like a Cessna or something? <laughs> Wouldn't a helicopter make more sense? Well, you would think. <laughs> okay, that's fine. I just remember her getting special powers and me being like, I don't remember any of this. I'm done. <laughs> But anyway, so yeah, that's, um, that's people. So we're going to go over these, uh, okay. Now Max is inciting the dog that he doesn't like. I'm petting him now. The dog is going to get excited and then he's going to be like, oh, get off of me. No, no, I'm just going to. Can we talk about the fact that Rachel Weiss doesn't age? No, she's an immortal, just like, um. Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves, just like Paul Will Rudd. Smith, just like Paul Rudd, just like Idris Elba. They're all just immortals, and they want us to believe that they're actors. And every, I guess, like, probably every, like, two or three hundred years, they come back and, you know, get back into old roles. Probably. Probably. I love that face. <laughs> mm. 
I freaking love Arnold Vosloo. Pretty great. Vosloo? Vosloo? Vosloo. Vosloo. Vosloo? Not to be confused, as Kitty did, with... Oh, I was kind of setting you up. Oh, Billy Zane. I thought, I thought you just forgot. No, I, I was sort of it. setting you up to say it. Oh. Yes. Not to be confused. Okay, to be 100% fair. They're similar. They're similar, but also I just listened to my mom and <laughs> she had always said that it was Billy Zane. <laughs> oh, so here's a string of pictures of Arnold Vosloo and stuck in the middle of it is a picture of Billy Zane. <laughs> Almost as though Google has come on your defense. <laughs> we got your back, kid. Freaking Amazing. idiots. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, uh, no. Also not to be confused with Billy Corgan, who looks similar and also has a similar name. Yeah. First name. He does. Billy Corgan. It's the lead singer of Smashing Pumpkins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Um, Max, are you going to go over the, 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 the things? Yeah, we can try. Brendan Fraser played Rick O'Connell. He was also George of the Jungle in George of the Jungle. Okay, just real quick. I'm already going to stop you. No, we can't get through this, apparently. I was shocked that he was in George of the Jungle first. I thought that George of the Jungle came after the mummy. Jury of the Jungle is a very different Jury of the Jungle. (laughs) I just picture a bunch of people in suits being like, why the fuck are we out here? Like... Oh, Why okay. are we being eaten by mountain lions? <laughs> I thought it was gonna be like a clever idea where you know you're judged by a bunch of like gorillas and orangutans. Uh, that was the happening. Oh right, <laughs> my mistake. All right, sorry. Continue. <laughs> what a twist! He was also in Journey to the Center of the Earth. Yes, he was. Which the book is fantastic by Jules Verne. <laughs> the movie wasn't bad, but there is a part where he's being chased by a T Rex. And he's distinctly running, like, in place. Like, ah, and I'm like, the fuck? Yeah. Like green screen in it? Yeah. Yeah. On the treadmill? They couldn't afford a full set. I I think not. (laughs) (laughs) And then you have Rachel Weisz playing Evelyn. She was also Libby in Dreamhouse, a movie I think we'll probably get to one of these days. One of these days. One of these days. And she was also Angela in Constantine and many, many other things. Yes. Yeah, um, she's been on some list. She has quite a long list. Oh, have you seen the movie Airheads? No. Okay. Okie dokie. So, Arnold Vosloo plays High Priest Imhotep. Uh, I didn't recognize a lot of the other stuff that he was in, but he was uh, J.T. Waring in Psych. Oh. That one time. That, that one, one time. time. Um, he's also no. been in a lot of stuff, just not a lot that I've seen. A lot of bit stuff. I vaguely remember them. NCIS joking yeah. in that episode about him having a Billy Zane quality about him. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, they do. <laughs> Fucking celebrity doppelgangers, man. Like, why can't there only be one? Uh... Well, there, to me, there's only one. Arnold Boslow. <laughs> Billy Zane's all right. He's all right. All right. He was in Titanic. He was in Titanic. <laughs> that movie was four hours long. All I need to say about that movie. The, uh, the Rift Tracks version of that is amazing, by the way. <laughs> Did they cut out certain parts of that for Rift Tracks? No. They didn't? No. Huh. Fancy that. I mean, they did, like, the theatrical version. They didn't do the extended cut, but... Uh, there's an extended cut to a four-hour movie? Yeah. Yup. There certainly is. And now, before you guys jump on our Facebook page or our email address or any of the other ways that you have of contacting us... 
and shouting out about how Lord of the Rings is super long too. The extended version of Lord of the Rings is four hours long. The extended version. The normal it's version, also good. It's also good. <laughs> <laughs> Considerably less boobies, though. <laughs> and that's okay. And that's okay. You don't need to have boobies. Dude, Lord of the Rings did a four-hour movie with no boobies and no swearing, and it was phenomenal. Mm, yes. That's not true. Someone says damn. Oh, darn. Do you mean release the damn? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> that's not the same thing. <laughs> they were... Proper ladies and gentlemen back then. The the most you get is some racial slurs between elves and dwarves. Yeah. <laughs> there is a lot of racism in fantasy, guys. There certainly is. Patricia Velasquez. This Velasquez. is our second movie with her. I know. I love her. I loved her as Noxunaman first. And then I saw her in La Llorona. I thought, not as much fun as a middle-aged psychotic woman. But she's super pretty as a Noxunaman. Yeah. And just in life. But <laughs> she just has this cool, powerful quality about her. Yeah. She does. She's very confident. That's the one thing about the second movie that I actually enjoy more than the first movie is that in the second movie, she's out to, she's made out to be a lot more cunning and resourceful and powerful and like super badass. In the first movie, she's, she looks really cool, but she doesn't do a ton. I mean, I, I think that she's super fucking cool. We'll get to that in a little bit. Do you bit. have rocks in your driveway? Yes. Victor, kitty, yes. big one. Uh, like stones. <laughs> like I'm like. No. Probably not. Because I need one. Why? Because I'm gonna hit Victor with it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Mummy two and three were not good movies. Period. I didn't say that they were good movies. Well, I can like one thing about a movie without making it a good movie. I suppose if you're gonna pick one thing, it might as well be Patricia Velasquez, but. There you go. I enjoyed the Scorpion King. That was the only other one. Like, Ew. not 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 the Mummy, the Scorpion King. Like the Scorpion oh. King standalone. Movie. It's just because Dwayne Johnson was in it, and he's charming, and I love him. He is. And they literally threw away all. I don't know why I sound so angry about it, but <laughs> he is. <laughs> You're right. That's a very compelling point. <laughs> but they literally had to throw away all of their backstory that they wrote into the previous movie. To make that character in that movie not evil. Well, well I mean, they did. And he also played Yahtzee in Moana. Yeah. Not Yahtzee. Um, oh my god. <laughs> you agreed with him before you realized how stupid he sounded. Wait, what's the demigod's name? Maui. No. Not Yahtzee. <laughs> he played Boggle in Maui. I think I was thinking about zero punctuation for some reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I think god. you were. Or Moana. And then we had my last favorite character in this movie, uh, John Hanna, who played Jonathan, Evelyn's brother. Mm. Um, I have, I have him listed. He was in the other Mummy movies. Yes. They were all right. But I freaking love his character in this movie. He's so good. He's like a less angry version of you. Of me? Yeah. I feel I like you would I can't tell do, if I'm insulted I feel or like you would do some of the mm. stupid shit that he does. Like, <laughs> Like, what? Can't we just stay for the treasure? No! The pyramid's <laughs> collapsing! I wouldn't have asked him, though. I would have just grabbed some handfuls and yeah. stuck them in my pocket. Like, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I would have uh, been like, ooh, let's go in my bag quick, out the door. Oh, my God. What else? Because clearly you have some strong feelings about the similarities between me and him. They're both sharply dressed. Oh, thank you. 
We have good taste in scotch. I can see you playing a prank like laying in the coffin with the dead mummy and doing that kind of shit. I can see that too. <laughs> also, stealing... I've done a prank like that. I was going to say, I can see that happening because we've basically done that. Except not with a cadaver, but... Yeah. <laughs> stealing the key off of a guy you met at a bar in Egypt. Like, I can see you doing some of this shit. Uh, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> the only phobia that I could come up with that I thought fit for this is... Deprecophobia, which is the fear of curses or being cursed. And it's not necessarily, when I kind of looked into it a little bit more, um, it's not necessarily the fear of the curse itself. It's the fear that there's someone out there that has malevolent intent for you and some kind of otherworldly control over your life, um, which I think is pretty weird and accurate for kind of all of us, really. Um, I mean, I won't argue that, I suppose. So. That was the only one I could find, because I felt like, yeah, this movie, people are scared of mummies. Yeah, they're kind of scared of death. They're scared of a lot of things in this movie. But when it all comes down to it, I think this curse is really what it's all about. So... Alright. So I think from here forward, we'll probably be discussing more spoilers. I, I can't remember if we mentioned any spoilers. <laughs> I have one more caveat. Oh. But keep talking. I'm, I'm doing some research to make sure I'm right. I guess from this point forward, we'll be discussing pretty intense hiccup spoilers. So you should watch the movie if you haven't already. If you haven't already, you're either too young for me, bro, or probably... Shouldn't be listening to this podcast. No. What year was Ghostbusters? 85? 87. The original Ghostbusters? The second Ghostbusters. Oh. That was like 90. Okay. Hey, just keep talking. I'm, I'm researching. Ghostbusters 2 was 1989. Whoa! I said 90. I was damn close, guys. All right. So, our movie starts out, and we're introduced to our main antagonists, um, Imhotep and Anaxuna Moon. And really... Imhotep. <coughs> really. Sorry. <laughs> Anaxuna Moon and Imhotep are just trying to live their best lives and Pharaoh Seti is just kind of being a douchebag and not no. letting them do that. And so they murder his ass. <laughs> yeah. But they're also kind of a little dumb about it because when I was a kid, I thought that the reason that she had the paint on her skin was because it was said that like the, the Pharaoh decreed that no other man could touch his mistress, his beloved. And I just assumed when I was younger watching this movie that he painted, had her skin painted so that if any other man touched her, that it would show up on her skin and that he would know that she had been, you know, having some horizontal refreshments with someone. Okay, but like, <laughs> um, what if she got bit by a bug or something and, like, scratched her arm? I don't know. But my thinking now it was is... was uh, hundreds... Back then. <laughs> it was a different I was going to say, like, it was the 50s, but it's, like, the hundreds. Maybe okay. negative hundreds. Um, yeah, it was BC back then. <laughs> so that's just time you're in. People had to do that shit. You don't itch your, the bugs if you have paint on your arm? What? Dude, like, a pharaoh could make you do anything. Anything. He could command the bugs not to do shit. Um, but I really think that that was just decoration. Like, I don't actually know that that was supposed to. I think it was literally just decoration on her, and he rubbed it off. Not like Imhotep rubbed it off of her arm without paying attention, which is fine. It's 
fine. But it just seemed a little convenient. So yeah, Pharaoh's all like, you touched her? And they're all like, no, I didn't, bro. But they say with knives. They didn't, they didn't deny it. No. They flat out were like, oh yeah, this is definitely happening. And oh, by the way, you're dead. That was the joke. And then... They... Imhotep escapes with his priests... Because he's a priest, but he has priests. He's the high priest. Oh, okay. He is the high priest. And I I didn't write this down, and I should have, but she actually has a really freaking awesome line right before she commits seppuku um, many hundreds of years before that's invented and stabs herself because she knows that Imhotep is going to re... What's the word I'm looking for? Reincarnate her. She says, my body is no longer his temple. And that's fucking awesome. That is why she's super fucking badass in this movie. Because, like, she's like, no, I'm not I'm not doing this anymore. He can't tell me what to do. Yeah. And I'm fucking dead, bitches. I don't belong to any man except for this other man. And then she stabs herself. <laughs> yeah. But no, seriously, I think that's a really cool line. And I think that that's a... a she's freaking badass. Also, his... <laughs> the guards coming into that chamber looked pissed. Like... <laughs> They all look like they were really mad, like they'd been working overtime, and they just got called out when they were promised to have some leave. Like, they look pissed off. They were basically the people from Event Horizon. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They just got done giving Dr. Weir a hard time. (laughs) He goes, tries to perform this ritual, he gets stopped by the Magi again, and they condemn him. They knew where he was going. What? Yeah, he wasn't very sneaky. Um. <laughs> yeah, he rode like a freaking army out there, I think. Yeah, yeah they literally just followed him. But even if, they, even if they didn't Amanatra. follow him, like, I got to say first, thank God. He's I'm so deleting it. No! <laughs> <laughs> but, like, he's going to perform a ritual to bring someone back from the dead. Where's he going to go? Oh, no, no, he might go to that city, the dead place. <laughs> <laughs> Where the book is. Oh, no, he stole the book first. He stole the book first. He stole the book first. Yeah. Yep. But. And then they curse him with the worst curse that is also kind of the best curse, if I you just, really think about it. I have thought about that ever yeah. since I saw this movie. Yeah. They wanted to curse him to this terrible death. But also, if certain circumstances are met, he comes back as the most powerful creature on Earth. Doesn't and immortal. Seem that bad. <laughs> like, uh, commanding the ten plagues of Egypt and a lot of other things. And being... The ruler over, like, sand itself, apparently. Which is a pretty powerful fucking power, I guess. Can I have another question, please? Yes. Oh. Go ahead. Okay. This is a biblical thing. Okay. He commands the ten plagues of Egypt. Yeah. Yes? Mm. Max is going to conduct the rest of the podcast in sign language. (laughs) (laughs) Um... I did a lot of sign language today, actually, on the way here. One finger sign language. But, um, Very expressive. It is. It's quite... Anyway, uh, never mind. I was just thinking, he says the language of the slaves. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure it wasn't long after the ten plagues of Egypt happened that the Jews escaped. or While Moses led them out of Egypt. Okay. So, are you saying that the timing doesn't fit right? We may have to nip this out. <laughs> I will probably cut literally all of this. Because, <laughs> yeah, like, it just seems off. Like, how would he know the language of the slaves and command the ten plagues? Uh, maybe it doesn't matter. Unless uh, his commandment of the ten plagues 
isn't tied to the Bible. It's just some power that he has, and someone else enacted the power after he was cursed. You know what I'm saying? Maybe. Like, maybe the Ten Plagues were a power that he also has control over, but someone else had power to it. Because there wasn't no Bible back then, bro. No. All right, so I have a theory that I just came up with, like, five minutes ago. Ooh. Wild last-minute theories um, are tight. I think that, what's his name, Ardeth? Ardeth Bay. I think that maybe Which does he not sound like a Muslim name. Just kind of let Emotep get awakened so that he didn't have to watch over him anymore. <laughs> Who are we talking about? The the Magi. I think he was just kind of like, oh, okay, I'm just going to let this go. His entire army was stopped by a single stick of dynamite <laughs> with a burning fuse. Yes. I had a problem with that part. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so... We're, let, let's go through. As we're going through, I'm going to point out all the things that he and the um, owner of the library do that point to this theory for me. Okay, so... <laughs> This being a movie that we all love, it's slightly difficult for us to pick out its flaws because we all love it, and it's hard for us to not just forgive it automatically, but we tried because we want to be impartial, which we're not at all, but we tried. And there's a lot of issues with this movie because action movies don't really care about procedure that much. So one of the plot holes of this movie is that the Magi are protecting this tooth and nail. They're protecting this creature that lies beneath the sand that they're going to stop it. Like, That's the next thing we see. No amount of... O'Connell's there with his, his detachment of the French Foreign Legion. In nineteen twenty. You and your fucking history. I'm always impressed. I looked it up because I didn't know what kind of guns they were, and they're French guns because it's part of the French fucking Foreign Legion. I'm not impressed by your <laughs> understanding of history, which I don't know. Yeah, so that's the next thing we see, is the, the Magi protecting Hominoptera, and... Uh, watching over it. Can I interject again? Sure. If they were so afraid of Imhotep coming back from the dead, the worst thing that could happen, mm -hmm. would they not fight to the last man? It supports your theory that he did it on purpose. Yes. Because O'Connell likes to stick a dynamite. He's like, mm -mm, and the guy's like, all right, we'll leave. And I'm like, wait, <laughs> they would fight to the last man <laughs> to keep them from awakening Imhotep. Also, why don't they just sink the city? What caused that to happen again? They pulled the lever accidentally. And the city sinks. Well, when did okay. that happen? At the end of the movie. Let's, let's cut that out and let's get there eventually, because I actually have some points that I need to fucking make about that when we get there. <laughs> it's your baking soda and your... Never mind. But I was going to make a cooking joke. <laughs> it's baking powder. It's both. Yeah, it's kind of both. <laughs> it's both, actually. <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, he All right. Time. So... I need to rewind a little bit. Whenever they were shoveling Emotep into the ground, Emotep. they were using the, and they're probably historically accurate, but they were using these stupid shovels that had giant ass holes in them that didn't make any goddamn, they were like rakes. Yeah, basically. they were more like a trowel rake. It was like a, but like, yeah, I can't do better than that. It doesn't make that. sense. Cause like it digs under the sand and the sand goes through the hole. Like obviously they eventually got the job done, but, Dudes, figure mm. something else out. You know, they did their best, I Rather guess. reeds or something. I don't Kitty. know. Uh, let me point this out. They built the pyramids, right? But they couldn't build a fucking shovel. Well, we couldn't build a fucking bridge in this country to save our fucking lives. Literally. Oh, political burn. 
Infrastructure burn. I mean. Infrastructure burn. Mm-hmm. And those pyramids are still there. <laughs> and we can't build anything that will last for any amount of time. We can build a fucking shovel. I could drive. It's true. I've had my shovel for like five years. <laughs> the really good one with the, the metal ring at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, yep. That's nice. been through a lot. <laughs> good shovel. Alright, so Benny's a coward and he runs away. <laughs> Benny's a coward. <laughs> We're all over the fucking place. Here's my real quick annoyance with that scene. So they're there, they're being all badass, he's all like, hold, hold, and they're all like ready and they're doing that thing where they're gonna wait until they see the whites of their eyes. I believe he's fire. saying it in Egyptian though. I'm sure he is. Why are they holding? Why are they waiting? From their somewhat fortified position, for the enemy to get within 12 yards of them before they start shooting them with bullets that will fly for half a mile. Guns weren't as accurate back then. I'm pretty I'm sure they were accurate I'm enough. I'm not sure that's true. <laughs> I mean, even back then, you're getting around like like time of Lee Enfields. Now, those were not Lee Enfields, but... Um, I mean, rifles were accurate back then. And uh, even if they weren't, you're talking about a wall of bullets. I suppose. But... The point of him waiting is a tactical decision. Okay. Um, like, do you remember that saying, don't fire until you see the whites of your eyes? I literally just said it. I do. You did? I did. I Fuck literally did. just did. My God. <laughs> <laughs> I think I listened to parts of what you're saying. It's fine. You're informing your arguments. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, well, that's what it's based on. Like, you wait until they're close enough that you can have a decently accurate shot. Effective shot. Okay, but doesn't it make more sense to fire one volley first and take out, even if you're 20% accurate, and then reload and then wait, instead of getting one volley off that's maybe 60% accurate and then being overrun and having your entire forces get mowed down by cavalry? There's a lot that goes into that. (laughs) But part of it is conservation of ammo, (laughs) you know, things like that. Like, when you fire, you want your shot to hit. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't think you really, especially if you're facing a superior force, you don't want to just fire a volley and hope that it gets a lot of them. Or some of them. Alright, so there's a war college not too far from here. I'm going to take that scene from this movie, I'm going to go there, and I'm going to ask them to analyze it and let them go over it and give me their thoughts on whether or not that was uh, an accurate strategic decision. You do that, and I'll write down what my thoughts on it are, and you can compare them. Alright. It's just going to be you wearing a mustache. Your You'll get to the college. Yes, two mustaches. Okay. Do you by chance have a friend named Max? I think he sounds like one smart fellow. He's quite handsome as well. Seems like a weird thing to say, Doctor, <laughs> Professor, Professor, Doctor, General, oh. Professor, Doctor, if you please. I tend to check out when they're talking about weaponry. <laughs> the boom boom sticks made the boom boom noise. Yes, Remember he said wait, and then he boom boomed. Yep. Uh... Also. Are we talking about Benny running away yet, or are we still talking about Boom Boom? Oh, we're, we're kind I of thought that was the guy from Ghostbusters 2. It's not. Benny? Yeah. The guy? Oh, the little Weasley guy. Yeah. No, it is not. It is Igor from Van Helsing. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. He is, not it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. He's actually quite handsome. <laughs> without, without his Benny makeup on. Without yeah, looking is. pale as like a bed... Sweaty bedsheet and for living yeah. in Egypt, I know, right? Yeah. 
Although I would look that pale if I lived in Egypt, because I break out in rashes if I'm in the sun too long. Reflect the sunlight. I'm not even sure what his nationality is. No, I don't idea. think he's. Oh, I don't think he's Egyptian. I don't think any of these fucking people were Egyptian. Except all the guys that got killed in the beginning. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, probably. So I'm of the opinion we should start referring to Rick as Four Gun Rick, because he's always got at least. Two sidearms on him. He does have a lot of guns. At all times. Like, he's got the double holster on both sides, and then usually a shotgun, which we see him pull out and somewhat accurately shoot at people when they get overrun. But like all good action heroes, he's got a special invisible bulletproof armor on. Yes. That reflects bullets. (laughs) Yeah. So, we fast forward three or four years into oh well first the ground opens up into Imhotep's face at the bottom of the statue of Anubis which would scare the fuck out of me yeah and would make me 100% believe in every superstition that everyone has about that place he does believe in it uh, Rachel doesn't kind of whatever she he... does not believe in Hokum yeah but like he says that there's something out there but he seems kind of vague and weird about it like I'd be like there's something out there, because I literally saw a face form out of the fucking sand and growl at me, and that's not normal. <laughs> it's just like, vaguely, there's there's something out there. Like, the wind howls in a weird way. No, I saw a fucking face form out of the sand in the desert. And then he leaves. And, then yes. <laughs> and, and the Magi let him go. Here's another thing of my... To my point, he says... The desert will kill him. <laughs> Why would you take that fucking chance? One bullet <laughs> would have sufficed. But no, you're just going to fucking stand there and watch him go. That's fine. <laughs> Little do we know they have a guy named the desert in their contingent, and he was on vacation that day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he gets back to take him like, what's going on? Did you take care of that guy? No, what is that? <laughs> what guy we were talking about? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I was in L.A. <laughs> Uh, so, we fast forward three or four years, and we're in Cairo. Cairo. And that's where we first meet Evie. I'd like to go to Cairo. Okay. I'm indifferent to the idea. I'm sure it's hot. Wouldn't mind a gyro. There's a lot of places in the world that are hot, but really cool. Yeah. I actually like the heat. I just, the sun doesn't agree with me, as I just said. Oh my god, we'll get you a hat. I break out in rashes. (laughs) Like, I'm not even joking. We'll get you a hat that has, like, one of those really thick bug nets that comes down on We'll get it. you the clothes they wear over there. Okay, like, like the flowing, like, loose-fitting clothing. Mm-hmm. All right. Hey, hey, okay. So. <laughs> Is it really three or four years later? Yes. Oh, okay. I believe it's three it, years Yeah, later. it says three years later. Uh, so we're now too. in 1926. Ooh, flappers. And. <laughs> Pause for one second. Max, I need you to confer with me. Real quick. Um, okay. What is it? What's going on? Gun stuff. Okay, what about guns? So we're sitting here and Kitty's like, that gun seems too new to be in this movie. Which gun? When he pulls it, when O'Connell pulls out one of his sidearms. It's got a clip. Yeah, it's not It's not one of the revolvers. And it's I was like, an- that looks like a 1911 to me. Which I'm pretty sure. Kitty, where? what scene was this? I'm, I want to say that it was the, the scene... It, from 1923, whenever they're fighting at the Hamanastra. I do believe he has two 1911s in that scene. Yes. He pulls out two revolvers and then tosses them and then pulls out his 1911s and starts firing. 
And that's what he gets. He has in his hands as he's getting chased to the statue of Anubis mm-hmm. or Horus. Yes, whatever. I believe so. Okay, that's not crazy. Okay. Were they called 1911s because they were made in 1911? Yes. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Colt 1911 devised by uh, John Browning. So. I checked out again. So. Wanted to, just wanted to say that my statement was accurate because <laughs> that was my rebuttal. Um, Evie's in the library and we get a dose of her quirkiness. She's not evolved yet. She, no, no, she's not Vaporeon yet. Um, Would she be though? I don't know. No, she's too nerdy. She'd be like Espion or something. Maybe. Anyway. Umbreon. She's filing books and she (laughs) is too lazy to get down off of the ladder, turn the ladder around and put a book on the other side. To be fair, I would be too. But she starts tipping the ladder over and then walks on it like stilts for a little while. (laughs) A scene that actually made me a lot more comfortable this time around than it has any other time that I've watched it. Comfortable? Uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. You said comfortable. 100%. You did. You have it recorded. You can go back and listen to it. You said comfortable. I'm not going to correct myself if I'm wrong. (laughs) I was like, that's a weird thing to say. (laughs) I just, like, her standing on the top of that ladder... Just because I'm super accident prone and I've been in situations where I can feel myself starting to, like, get injured. And I started to panic a little bit whenever I watched it this time around. <laughs> I can feel myself starting to get injured. Usually after I injure myself. <laughs> you no, know 100% like... of ladder injuries happen on ladders? <laughs> what about the ones where people aren't on a ladder but they use a ladder to hit somebody? That's a ground injury. Or a spoke injury from a ladder, but not necessarily a ladder. Are they called spokes? <laughs> I probably like rungs, probably. Wrong, that makes more sense. Um, I don't think she's heavy enough to knock over those bookcases. Also, if you had yeah. enough force. I, but Yeah, if you had enough force, you could knock anything over, including the planet and God. <laughs> but... <laughs> also, why did they have them set up for the perfect domino effect so that they fell down in a circle whenever they got knocked off. Why weren't they anchored? Like, is Ernest, like, did he design those bookshelves? She's the reason that bookshelves are now anchored into the ground. Typically, <laughs> if you have something that fucking In my tall, hotel windows don't open the whole way. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or at all, in some cases. <laughs> I just, I don't... Yeah, so, I mean, like I said, it's... This is kind of a, a, a cheesy action movie, so there's going to be some plot holes <sighs> because they don't really want to... The writers in these kinds of movies don't live in reality. They just kind of advance the plot, and that's it's fine. To A the P? Yeah, A the P. To A the P. So yeah, she's kind of like the bumbler in this movie, I guess. But adorable about There's it. a bunch of bumblers in this movie. Like the Barney Fife of the movie. <laughs> no, no, Jonathan's like the Barney yeah. Fife. <laughs> she would be the girl in a teen romance movie that starts off with frizzy hair and glasses, and then they straighten her hair and take her glasses off, and she's suddenly pretty. Well, yeah. <laughs> but that is Rachel Weiss too. Yeah. I mean, it helps if you start with a pretty lady and then put nerd glasses on her. And then make her not pretty and then make her pretty again. <laughs> yeah. Um, I kind of thought that she was pretty start to finish. Oh, yeah, no, she definitely was. <laughs> but nerd girls she, are pretty. I'm just saying that she was that character in this movie. Like, And then my other favorite guy in this movie, Eric Abari, shows up, Dr. Terrence Bay. Hmm. Like, what? No. Oh. Give me the locusts! <laughs> yeah. 
Yep. Clean up this mishiva. <laughs> I don't know what that word. That's a good word. <laughs> I don't know what that mishiva. means. Mishiva. It was great. Then she goes into the back room and where they have all their artifacts. Yeah, it's all like. And I actually thought this was really funny. I giggled about the fact. You have to pause for a burp. She's holding her her finger up as though like, well, hang on, guys. I just didn't want to burp over your words. But you'll cut off, cut me off at any moment because you have a point you need to make. How polite of you. <laughs> um, actually, anyway, so she, I thought it was actually, I don't know if it was meant to be a joke or not, but she's like, she's saying some pretty tongue twistery words, like names for people. And I don't remember them off the top of my head. There were, Tutmosis. There were a couple of different ones that she's, she's like asking if people are, because she's hearing these weird noises and she walks into the back room and she's... Abdul, she says Abdul for one of them. I can't remember what the second one was. And then... And then she gets to the end and she goes, Bob? Yeah. (laughs) I had never noticed that before. The one American is like, I've got to move these crates today. Like, just super pissed off Bob. I don't know why. (laughs) She's like, Bob? (laughs) Yup, I noticed that too. I'd never noticed it before this go-through. It was just funny to me. I don't know why. Um, And then she goes over to the crate and she finds the her brother is all, like, hiding inside and desecrating remains and stuff. Okay, I have a question about this room that nobody knows the answer to, probably. I've was, been reading a lot of books on museums lately. Was it the supposed to book. be, like, a museum attached to the library that people went in to look at things? Because it looked really fucking dusty, if that was the case. A lot of museums have their own libraries. Yes. Extensive libraries. Okay, so it was a museum that had a library ato- attached, not a library that had a museum attached. I think it's the Museum of Cairo. Yeah. Everything looked really dusty. Like it had. I don't think a library would have a museum attached, but a museum would certainly have a library, especially back then. Okay. Like they would have their own yeah, manuscripts, and I have been reading the Pendergast series, and the first two books take place in the Natural Muse- the New York Museum of Natural History. So, the Natural New York New the, York the, you know, Museum. The N Y N M. Stop! Oh my God. <laughs> Also, I would like to point out that I bet that they were curating things in that collection, which is why he had them. They do story. curate things. Yes. I know things about things too, guys. <laughs> you know, Every curators, time. assistant curators. Saffron is a very expensive spice. It is. I've exhausted the list of things that I know. <laughs> Every time people say the word curate, I think of Kimmy Dawson, who sings basically the entire soundtrack for Juno. Huh. What does that have to do with anything? You said curate. Curate. <laughs> yes. Juno. Yes. Kelly Dawson. Kimya Dawson. Kimya Dawson. Yes. She sings basically, there's a song where she uses that word, and that's all I can think about anytime anybody uses the word curate. It's hard to make that word sound sexy. It's not a sexy song. <laughs> <laughs> it's, her songs are, whatever. Moving on. So, John. <laughs> Look, we're the only ones who are allowed to go on crazy tangents that are brought on by one word. <laughs> Listeners, if we go off on tangents and then you get bored and like go off on your own tangent, I want to hear what it was. Record yourself listening to the podcast <laughs> and the tangent that you have while we're on our tangent. Jesus Christ. If you're embarrassed to say it, then maybe don't send that one to us because we probably don't want to know. Unless, of course. Oh my god, that would actually be a fun segment. Oh god. Like to add at the end of our <laughs> our podcast is just a listener going off on a fucking tangent about something stupid we said. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Jesus. The 1911 was actually invented in 1910. 
I mean, <laughs> it was adopted in 1911. As, anyway. <laughs> Why are you growling? Um, so, yeah, her brother's all like, I found this thing. I, he's not. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> I found, this, found this here thing. He's British and actually hates Americans very much. <laughs> he doesn't hate Americans. He, he just keeps call, calling them damn Yankees. Yeah, that well. was one of my favorite parts of the movie, though, mm-hmm. when they, she goes, those beastly Americans. No offense. And Khan's oh, yeah. like, I'm taken. I'm taken. And then he says it again. He's like, I'm taken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he called them Yankees and she called them beastly Americans. Which they are, like, he's kind of an archetype of, like, American action hero, but the other guys are like, they're just 100% freaking cowboys. They are literally cowboys. Except for Mr. Burns. I like him. Mr. Burns. Who? It's because he was the nerdy one. He should not have been an adventurer. And he got his balls scooped out. Yeah. Eyeballs. Eyeballs, Eyeballs, yes. (laughs) And probably the other ones later on, but they were probably like just... If you're a mummy, wouldn't that be the first thing you'd replace? (laughs) Probably eyes first. (laughs) (laughs) Gots to see. (laughs) Eyes before balls. (laughs) So so he actually fesses up and says that, well, first they talk to Mr. Bay, the... Who? Accidentally burns the map they found. Accidentally. Yes. He doesn't even do a very good job. That's another point that I'm bringing it to. He doesn't do a good job of dissuading them, and he doesn't do a good job of burning the map. Like, <laughs> he pretend burns the map. I, it's bad. And they're, they're able to salvage probably a good half of it. Also, after, what did she say, 3,000 years? Yeah. That paper would go up like flash paper. Yeah. <laughs> well, it would have been papyrus. It would have been, it would have been made from plants. Papyri. And it, it's a funny word, isn't it? <laughs> I love that guy. <laughs> I feel like it would be more moist than regular paper, but maybe I'm wrong. All right, we found another acceptable use for the word moist. Moist. <laughs> there isn't a lot, is there? No. Cake and paper. You'd like a moist towelette. And, yeah. and towelettes. Moist cake and moist paper. <laughs> <laughs> you Carpet. generally don't want moist paper. Moist underwear. Oh, no, that's, wow. that's that's a not acceptable That is one. the most unacceptable version. Put that on the very long list of not acceptable options. <laughs> moist. Say everybody say that word with me for a second, would you? No. Moist. 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 <laughs> moist. I'm gonna cut this part out. There's no 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 no, not that whole part. So he burns the map, which can I just say looks like a four-year-old drew it. It does. It does not look like a good map. It doesn't look like it tells you anything. Well, right. we don't know that that map's 3,000 years old. We don't. We also don't know Maybe who O'Connell it. drew it. <laughs> he basically is a three-year-old. Maybe he did. Maybe the Pharaoh set had, like, his... Imhotep wouldn't have a map. He'd just know where it was. Yeah, I guess that's true. The yeah. Magi would have a map. Why, no. is, there a map? Why is there a map in the key? Because they, they followed the one there. we found. No, they were just trying to make sure that the 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 Americans didn't. Well, that the not Magi didn't get there. They weren't following them because they didn't know how to get there. Mm. Right, they knew how to get there, but somebody must have known how to get there because that's where Egypt kept all its gold. Yes, gold. But why was there a map in the key that they never wanted anyone to find? 
and that the, opened up the sarcophagus that was never meant to be opened and found. And where did he find the key? Well, O'Connell says that he took it. I mean, we, I guess we presume that he took it before the attack that we see in the beginning. Maybe. Because, I mean, I guess it could have been after, but I don't know about you guys, but I wouldn't want anything to do with a weird half-sunken-in-the-sand temple thing that bore a face at me out of the sand and rattled at me. So that's menacingly. Fair. I would just be like, all right, that's cool, and I'd leave. <laughs> nope. Nope. Like, if I came home one day and I put, like my house key in the front door and all of a sudden like my house mat was like rawr, I'd be like alright that's cool I don't need it. I'm good I had some good times in this house it's open I don't need anything that's in there it's fine the if dog I stays open my refrigerator and it said something and you're like Jiminy fucking Christmas I'm out just want my sandwich 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 <laughs> Jonathan finally passes up and, and tells Evie that he actually stole it from somebody at a bar and takes... How did he figure out that he had been arrested? That's what I want to know. Asking around. He seems like he's got some kind of maybe shady contacts. So maybe Got some street cred <laughs> in Cairo. <laughs> Jonathan. <laughs> he seems like the kind of innocent guy who got in with multiple bad crowds multiple times. <laughs> and maybe unintentionally has some underworld contacts. Like he's the 1920s yeah. Egyptian version of Good Girls. Like he walks into like a <laughs> like a, a dirty bar that like he knows there's some people that he's gotten some things from before, and like as soon as the doors open, like everyone looks up and they're all like, "Oh, it's Jonathan." <laughs> <laughs> and he walks in, he's like, "Hello, gents." <laughs> Basically, like my D and D character. Basically. <laughs> so yeah, they find um, George of the Jungle. Arrested. Yes, his hair was still George-like. Mm-hmm. In very George-like. That scene. For having a good time, which we never know what that means. We also meet the sleazy jailer. <laughs> who I didn't like to. He's funny. He was a necessary character. <sighs> He's for, straightforward about his his motivations. He is, yes. He goes well with Jonathan. Mm-hmm. Like they're riding their camels out in the desert. He's throwing just... Whap! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh... Um, yeah, so they convince the jailer to let him go. Not before he's hanging by his neck for a period of time. Yeah. <laughs> and she declines his romantic advances, the jailer's advances. And everyone laughs. And everybody laughs at him. Everybody happens to see it. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But she did, I mean, she didn't have an opportunity, but she didn't decline a kiss from Rick. And... I remember growing up, I mean, they're both beautiful specimens, both Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weisz. They're both yes. absolutely beautiful humans. I remember that scene whenever I was a kid and I was like, oh, they're kissing. <laughs> when he grabbed her face? Yeah. yeah. And then you got older now, and you're like, oh. Now as an, as an adult, I'm like, you didn't get consent. <laughs> <laughs> no. That's not romantic. <laughs> We can't hang him twice, so <laughs> kind of pile it on at that point. Yeah. <laughs> but and yeah, she saves him for twenty-five percent of the treasure. Yes. Also, I would like to point out that that is actually accurate. A lot of people died from having their necks snapped while being hung, rather than actually strangling. Yes, that is actually how they were designed. Yeah. Um, typically, it was considered to be more humane, which sounds. It's a oh, failed hanging if they don't, their necks don't snap. Yeah, so like, whenever you hear about, like, 
someone being slowly pulled up from the ground by a noose, it's like, it's awful. Because that's, it's not someone being hung correct. Oh man, this is such a bad time. Well, in Hell on Wheels, they hung one person by dropping them and breaking their neck. Mm -hmm. The other one, they hung by dragging him up. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you tie somebody's hands and you wrap a noose around their neck and then you attach that, the other end of that noose to like, a rope up over a tree branch and you attach that to like a wagon and start pulling it and I slowly string them up. Like that's awful. That's awful. Cause I mean, getting hung period is terrible, but I, the slow, painful, agonizing rise up anyway. So everything's fine. Works out great for O'Connell <laughs> because he's superhuman. Yeah. Grin. If you, for whatever reason are getting strangled, grin. It tenses the muscles in your throat and might give you a couple more seconds of air. But I digress. Prolong your... Perhaps. So they save him and we get to see a fun role reversal, which actually they talk about O'Connell being gross and smelly and brutish and then all of a sudden he's there and he's super immaculate, beautiful Brendan Fraser. And she's, of course, smitten with him because he's beautiful Brendan Fraser. He was beautiful even with his scraggly hair. He was, but he was movie ugly. What is it with you and beautiful people these days? Me? No. Me? Kidding. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I just think they're both pretty people. Are you on drugs? Not actively. Because we were talking about Timothy Osmond or whatever. Which is a fucking bummer. He's beautiful. He's beautiful. And then who else? You're like, they're beautiful. Timothy Osmond? Timothy... Osmondson. Osmondson. Odmondson? 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 No, no, the other one. The, the one, one that I thought was Tim Tim Timothy Oliver. The glorious beard. Oh. Well, he's just a, a unique-looking individual that, like, stands out no matter who you have he him up against. grew into his face. Like, he was <laughs> not that pretty whenever I he was... I have yet to get psych. my big boy face. <laughs> That's a very accurate and... <laughs> Inspired statement. Boys go through puberty and then manity. So. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> it's true. Which, it is true, though. It's like the three evolutions of a Pokemon. <laughs> you evolve into not really mature. But I had a, I had a full beard in high school, even. <laughs> so, so they get O'Connell out, and he agrees to help them find Hamanoptera. <sighs> mm-hmm. And they get camels. Yes. And they, well, we, we skipped a pretty important part. Um, they go on the boat, and that's where they meet the other Americans, and they find out that Benny survived, and that he's the one leading the Americans to... Oh, yeah, I guess so. Hamanoptera. Um, mm -hmm. It is a barge, I would like to say. Yeah. A barge. A barge. <laughs> a steam launch. They bet... Rick, that he won't make it to Hominoptera, Hominoptera before then. 500 then, U.S. dollars. 500 cash dollars. Cash Philistine. Cash dollars. <laughs> and he says, I gamble with my life, not my money. And then gambles with his money. <laughs> 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 then the Magi attack the boat. Because for some reason they know that they have the key. It's Uncle Bay. Or um, Professor, oh, Professor right. Bay. Yes. I'm sure he told them. Yes. By, like, missile. <laughs> yeah, he got on that. Because <laughs> they were fucking there. <laughs> like, the magic mass eye. <laughs> uh, homing pigeon. Yeah. So, 
Which maybe that, they had a telephone. That one guy that breaks into Evie's room while she's lamenting over the kiss just has a bad time. Yeah. He does. Like, he's, he's not very good at Majani's things. <laughs> no, he's not. Rick pushes him into the fire, and then Jonathan accidentally knocks the door into him and knocks him back into the fire. And then he gets candled. He's candled before all that, but yeah. And yeah. then shot. <laughs> he had a lot of things going on. And then, yeah. I mean, and he's already... Like, I feel like he's maybe, like, somebody's cousin, and they just kind of let him come along on trips. Because he's already had his hand cut off. Yeah. And they just, they kind of gave him a somewhat functional prosthetic. <laughs> but then gave him the most important job out of yeah. everybody. Like, it was like, they were like, all right, like, come on, buddy. Like, you can do this. You got this. Or or he's like the, like the grandpa of the group. And, <laughs> and he's like, no, I'm taking this one. This one's my job. And like, I've been mad giant since before you were born. <laughs> <laughs> and one of my favorite lines from the movie, I know that you don't like the stupid humor, but um, the jailer is on. <laughs> oh, he does that like once a day anyway. Because he eats all of Gannon's snacks. Snacks. Oh my god. <sighs> so yeah. So they... the jailer is standing on the boat and he goes, Rick, Rick, what do we do? And he goes, You stay here, I'll go get help. And the ship's burning to the ground. <laughs> yeah. It's burning. Wait, is that possible? In the river? It's burning to the water. <laughs> it's burning to the bed. <laughs> I did kind of like that. That that was funny to me, though. <laughs> oh, God. I did. I did think it was really funny. Like, he's like, I'll get help. He's like, okay. Like, I just thought that was really and funny. And then he realizes what's happening. Um, and then they get to the shore. And I have to tell you guys about this part. So they get to the shore, and Benny is like, hey, Rick, it looks like we have all the horses. And then Rick's like, hey, Benny, it looks like you're on the wrong side of the river. And then Benny swears an Egyptian under his breath. <laughs> For the longest time, until my brother corrected me, I thought that he said, stupid American nitchum poop. Because that's kind of what it sounds like he's saying, but he's swearing an Egyptian. Just swearing. Apparently. Okay. All right. Well, you said that as if that was the end of the movie. You were like, all right, so that's all right. it. So, yeah, they're on the right side of the river. <laughs> I understand. Job well done. The ship's burning to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> but there are motherfucking crocodiles yes. in the Nile River. Yes, there that's are. That's the first thing that I thought of, because anytime that there's water and I don't know what's under it, I immediately start getting concerned. You will know I saw one if I <laughs> jump over this side and go, oh, as right as I fall into a spring. <laughs> And I cartoonishly see you zooming back up over the railing, and you're like, I'll stay here. <laughs> this is fine. Everything's fine. You're like that dog meme where he's yep. sitting in the house burning. <laughs> that would be a very hard choice. Oh, yeah. Burn to death? Crocodile. Mm-hmm. I think I would probably just go in and like immediately hop some smoke fumes and just pass out, and then troubles are over. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so was there, was there an Indiana Jones reference in this movie when they're talking about the camels? Because she says something about hating the, like, I hate the, he says, I hate camels. And she Jonathan says, I, I says love it. them. I think they're adorable or something like that. That's not an Indiana Jones reference. No, no, no. But there's a part where somebody said something. I could have sworn I was like, I should look that up and see if that's an Indiana Jones reference. He calls them flea bags, says they stink, they spit. And then she says, I think they're adorable. And the, the jailer spits off yeah. of the camel. But I thought there was a part where, I don't remember. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. But they, yeah. they dressed Evie up in the Egyptian 
like, garb. And Vic goes, cultural appropriation. She's just wearing their clothes. And I was like, literally the only thing that she had was a nightgown. And I'm pretty sure that you can't just buy blue jeans (laughs) in the middle of wherever they are. I'd like to point out that I was being facetious. He was. He was. It was just, yeah. So, also, we find out later that she's also half Egyptian. Yeah. But we don't have to get into that because the other movies are stupid. (laughs) No, we find that out in this movie. No, we don't. Yeah, we do. No, we she, don't. She says that her Egypt is oh, in my blood. That's right. Well, she's drunk. My father loved Egypt so much, he married my mother, who was Egyptian. Egyptian. It's not how that works, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like I wonder if I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Uh, yeah, so they're riding to Hamanoptera. And yeah. the Americans catch up with them. They do. Even though camels are decidedly the best desert going you would think. Yeah. yeah, and then Benny, who... Is he or is he not on a camel? I think he was on a horse. I thought he was on a camel because I thought he said... I remember thinking that it was really stupid of him to say, Hey, Rick, nice camel. Well, he was <laughs> on a fucking camel. <laughs> I don't know why he sounds like somebody's smokeaholic grandma, but... Uh, you got yourself a nice camel there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Marge's sister's Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're right. I, it would have been so awesome if they had walked into the under <laughs> catacombs of Hamanatra and they walked around the corner like, Welcome. <laughs> what are you buying? <laughs> Just a dead guy. I mean, I'll him. take that. Take that. Yeah. <laughs> got the Book of the Dead. <laughs> Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God bless Resident Evil 4. Arguably the best. Perhaps the best game ever made. <laughs> it might be. It might be. It might be. It might, it might be. be. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway. So, for some reason, Hanatra can only be revealed by true sunlight. By the sunrise, it seems. Yes. Um, which, it doesn't make it seem like it's going to be revealed so much as it's just visible during the day. So saying it's revealed by the sun makes it just seem like it's it's just there. So anyway, all of a sudden, poof, it's there in front of them. What are we waiting for? You'll see. <laughs> I'll show you. Hammond, what are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. So I would have accepted, uh, accepted Brendan Fraser as Dr. Grant. I think it would have been a slightly different role. I would have accepted it, I think. Nah. No? Nah. I mean, that's like... Yeah, no. Are you saying you would have done better than Sam Neil? No. I did not say that. I said I would have accepted him. I'm telling Sam Neil. You were putting words... Don't tell Sam. (laughs) (laughs) So they're all like, hoo and ha and giddy up and whatever. And then they all run. Whatever whatever noise she keeps making. Yeah. Supposedly, I was like, oh, she's saying DDD. I better run faster. (laughs) I must say. I must say. (laughs) And they win somehow or something. Because Rick pulls... Benny off of his mount. Yeah. Well, Benny rides up next to him and starts hitting him with his riding crop. Yeah. <laughs> like an idiot. It. Also, Benny's real lucky he's still alive. Multiple times in this movie, but like... <laughs> trampled by the fucking camel. Oh, camel. Still, I mean, getting trampled by a camel probably still hurt. But yeah. Because they have like forked-toed feet that would hurt a lot. They are mighty ugly animals. Camels? Uh, but they are very friendly, it seems. <laughs> they can be. They can also be nasty. Well, if they've been... Humanized? Petted. <laughs> Petted. 
I mean, horses can be mean. That's true. Uh Uh-huh. Even with socialization, any animal can be mean, but... Including people. Yeah, seriously. The meanest of all, really. The meanest of all and the smelliest. Except, well, skunks, but... So did they, like, I thought they said, like, we'll get there first or something? Like, why are they riding and then nothing comes of it? Like, they get there first and what what do they get? Like... 500 cash dollars. 500 cash dollars. But did we ever see that actually happen? No. <laughs> I'm making the arguments here. Possibly, can you just... Um, so, they're all there and stuff, and they start, I guess, searching around and whatever. Oh, we were bitching about the fact that you didn't actually get to see them hand over the 500 cash dollars. Yeah. It's just a loose end, guys. I very much like the American with the blonde hair. Yeah, he seems like a decent guy. And he's quite handsome. He is pretty handsome. He's he very American-esque. Why? No. He was one of the good ones. He seemed like a douche bro. Uh, I mean, he seemed no worse than O'Connell. I would agree. I don't know. Okay, well. Also, I sorry was... for that noise. That was bad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the Egyptologist, by the way, that the Americans brought was the dad and the hunter Van Pelt from Jumanji. Yes, he, he was. was. And I loved Van Pelt. (laughs) (laughs) He was the biggest douche bro out of all of them. The way. Egyptologist? Yeah. Well, he was like, what is a woman? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, he also left the slaves. And then she awoke the most horrible evil in Egypt. Because she knew more than him. So yeah, basically, ignorance is bliss. Her, her stubborn ignorance killed so many people. Hundreds of people. Yeah, like probably thousands. And she had to make out with him and the locusts and shit yeah. and like. But yeah. that was one part. Okay, okay. Before we get too far ahead here, yeah. Let's just so they're poking around these ruins. Uh-huh. Um, oh, the magi see them running into the city and. Um, Ardeth is like, this one is strong. <laughs> and I don't know why he sounded a little like a witch, but <laughs> um, <laughs> All right. so, she does the mirror thing. Does the mirror thing. Yeah, yeah the cool Egyptian mirror thing. It was a cool idea. Um, and it's all um, pew, 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 and shoots sunrise all over the place. And yes. then they start doing some investigating and they have a jump scare with their a large group of other people that are just around another corner. I could see you having guns and being wary. But like once you figured out like it was the other team, wouldn't you put your guns away? I guess they're just being territorial, like they're like being hot headed Americans. We got we got here first and yanks, they call yanks. But you're not gonna kill <laughs> Probably not. Uh, I don't know. I mean I, people have killed over less. Sure. Like, yes. <laughs> but I mean, it seems like most of these people are pretty sensible people. But yeah, so they eventually are like, wow, we'll just use a different digging technique like Mr. Burns. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure there's an episode of Simpsons where somebody finds oil under the school and Mr. Burns tracks, uses some other digging technique where he digs horizontally and then is able to get the oil out from the school. Yeah. <laughs> and... I, did I misinterpret that? I felt like she kicks some stones down in a crack mm-hmm. and is like, there are other places to dig. And like, yes, she kicks some stones down a crack and realizes that there is a void or a recess below them. 
okay. and then deduces with her Cambridge knowledge, which is what I'm calling her nerdiness, that there may be something below. below okay. Her. See, even last night, I don't know, there's always been this part of me that thought that she knew that that area was booby-trapped and was just like, we can go somewhere else and didn't warn them. Well, that would make her just as shitty as the yeah. girl didn't like. Yeah. But I guess it makes sense that she just knew that there was a place to dig below them, and that was where they were going. And she maybe, like, somewhat reasonably deduced that it would be faster to get to whatever their quarry? Query? Quarry? Quarry. Whatever their quarry was from under rather than from above. So, yeah, they do that. And what I don't get is that I guess, like, they dug enough that it was just barely being held, so when Jonathan plays golf with the pickaxe, it dislodges it? Or it's, I, I guess. It was, it's just for fun. It's just for fun effect. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then she has her whole, whoever he was, was somebody of great importance. Rossi did something very naughty. Oh, like... <laughs> his proper and won't say he's a dick. <laughs> Douche canoe. <laughs> This movie would have been very different if I had been in it. <laughs> Look, he was either really, really important or he was a douche. <laughs> Take your pick. So they open it up using the key and they're all like, it's juicy, which I don't know if they're trying to say that the scarabs did that or what, but that's another one of the like very small plot holes in this movie is that they're like, these scarabs ate him very, very slowly. And then they show scarabs eat people instantaneously. Like, yeah, leaving a steaming pile of bones yeah. behind. Yeah. Well, I think that that might have been part of the curse. I think that it, like, preserved oh. enough of the enough of him that he could come back. Oh, so you think that, like, he was only allowed to be eaten to a certain point and then preserved in a semi-conscious decom- state? Decomposing state or whatever. So, alright. That's, all... I don't know, that's my, my... Sure. And then the jailer gets et in the brain. Yeah, he does, yeah. One of the buggles gets in his brain case. He tries to football tackle a wall. <laughs> Oops. You're not supposed to lead with your helmet. Oops. <laughs> yeah. Yep, so that would be terrifying. And that was one of two scenes in this movie that no matter what age I'm in, or no matter what age I have been, uh, have, have always freaked me out. The idea of there being something, A, that large, but B, a foreign object that's living inside of your body that has that much autonomy to move wherever it fucking wants under your body is a terrifying thought. Whether it's malicious or not, just having a foreign creature in your skin like that is terrifying to me. Like my fetus? (laughs) Yes. Ew. Exactly. It is a parasite. By all definitions, it is a parasite. So, you know, Uh, no one has a scarab shower whenever they... Yank it out of your skin. <laughs> anyway, we just cut that out. But anyway, um, so yeah, he's all like, you know, whatever. Runs around and bangs his head off of stuff because it hurts. And it would. It would probably hurt a lot. It would. Get yeah. your brain eaten by a bug? Uh, actually, I, I've heard that your brain doesn't actually have pain receptors. But it could trigger nerves to fire. In your body. It would no doubt be bad. And make brain. other parts of your body hurt because your brain is like, oh, that that's That is possible, serious. but he was holding his head. He was. He was. But also, I feel like forcibly having your skin pulled away from the muscles 
Also, you get headaches if your your brain starts to like swell. Um, yeah, that's vascular stretching. But yes, we're getting so off topic here. So off topic. So he goes, and also a bug would not crawl under your skin like that. No, they cannot breathe. It's well, that scarab had been in that encasement for how many fucking well, years? Okay, we're doing like Egyptian hookum, 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 hookayum. Lachayim. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Oh my god. So then they drink, and she gets drunk, and they have a little cute scene with them, a little meet cute with the two of them. That's all fun. And like, Oh, yeah, when they're drinking? Well, the Americans find the Book of the Dead. The Book of Amon Ra... No. The other one. The Book of Anubis. Uh-huh. Right? No. The Book of the Dead. I think it's just called right? the Book of the Dead. I think it's just... I right? think it was just... Right? I thought it was Amon Ra. I think that... That was the Book of the Dead. Okay. Okay. Well, and then what was the other book? The Book of... Life. They didn't just call it the Book of Life. I know they didn't. I don't know. I don't remember. I've seen this movie a million times, and we just watched it last night, and I literally cannot remember. He has this book. He's trying to open it. She's all like, I think it needs a key. <laughs> and he's like... drops. Well, and she mom. steals it from the Egyptian... Egyptologist, like Indiana Jones esque. Yeah. Yeah. What does she put in his hand? A pillow or something like that. Yeah. Like or a rolled up, like a bedroll or something. She reads <sighs> from it. And instead of like reading it quietly to herself and being like, oh, in this, her brain instead of this is a curse or this is <laughs> to raise some awful creature or whatever, she's all like, let me read this out loud as I'm I like, discovering it. I like the random whooshing. All throughout this movie, like anytime anything of relative uh, importance happens, like they're like it could be a curse, and then the wind is like, whoosh. <laughs> and like I like how they just put that in there for funsies. <laughs> There's I forget if it's then or if it's later, but O'Connell, I think it's right then. Yeah. O'Connell's like, oh, there's a lot around here, like, <laughs> just like breaking so. the fourth wall a little bit. Yeah, and for some reason, the fucking Egypt- Egyptologist wakes up. Right after she reads it. It's like he's kind of keyed into the curse a little bit, since he's also now cursed, too, or something. Mm. I don't know. He just wakes up and finds that it's not there. And he really believed in that stuff. Deduces it immediately. But, like, immediately, the first thing she reads is the fuck all, kill everyone curse. Yeah. Yeah. That is, like, the 1% chance that, like, they're like, we're gonna, we're gonna curse this guy. We're gonna curse him so bad. We're going to curse him so hard. We're going to curse him so hard. You won't know what curse him so That if he ever comes back, he's going to be a god. And everyone else is like, wait, what? It's like, yeah, she dooms everyone. Because she doesn't believe in Hokum and immediately reads the curse. Or, I don't... Also, why was the first passage in this book the undoing or doing of this... igniting of... This curse. It's like... Whatever. But the Egyptologists believed in that <laughs> stuff. All they literally all believed in it except for her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, basically. I mean, and she wakes up the mama, uh, and he's all like, "Rawr." Is that when the the magi come in? No. No. Uh, the locusts come immediately. Yes. No, the magi came before that. I think. Nope, they did not. Yes, they did. They. They attack him on the boat. But no, it's after, because they pull oh, Dr. Yeah. Burns, or Mr. Burns the, out and say that they saved him. Yeah, okay. No, 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 but when's the time when they fought and left? That was then. No. Because once the locusts show up, they run inside the tomb. 
And it's right after that the Magi bring Dr. Burns or whatever over. You were right. You're right. They fight them before they find the book. Because then that's one of the other, like you were saying, it's one of the times where it just doesn't make sense. Because they fight them and they're like, <laughs> okay, you've got, a lit st- you've got a lit stick of dynamite. So we're going to leave you alone. But you've got to leave. You've got to leave this place. You can't stay here. We've been sworn to stop you from doing what you're doing, but we'll trust you. Oh, and that's when they get drunk. That's when they get drunk after the fight. I was was off in the timeline, but they do come back then. No, are you sure? Oh, yes. Yeah. Because that's after the warden gets killed. Yes. And after the three diggers get melted by pressurized salt acid. Salt acid, yes. On the American team. Mr. Byrne gets his... No, how... After they come back, after Mister Burn gets his eyes sucked out. Yes. Uh, they wake up the mama, and then the Egyptologist is like, "What have we done?" And he looks right at the camera. Yeah. When he says it, with bugs all over him. Yeah, bugs, locusts. Are they locusts? I believe so. That makes sense. A lot of times in these like in movie settings, they use bugs that look cooler on screen, but aren't actually what they said they were. But the ones in the Bible had little teeth and crowns. <laughs> I'm dead serious. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> It'd be quite painful. <laughs> sure would be. What's worse, the teeth of the crown? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, so they seek shelter inside <sighs> Hamanoptra. It's going to get longer every time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to cut all of it out. And, uh, every single time you say Hamanoptra, I'm going to cut it out. Say what now? <sighs> so Burns loses his glasses. Okay, this is where just one small note. If you are someone with severely impaired eyesight, adventuring is probably not a great life for you, especially Don't if say this that. is 1921. 26. 1926. But they, what do you think of the Old West wore glasses? Okay. In the Old West, I guess they would have to just to survive, but he sought out. He either sought out being a bodyguard or being some kind of a grave robber. Or some kind of an archaeologist, or he sought out this career, adventuring with others. I don't like his eyesight is so impaired. Like it's so impaired that he literally can't function without his glasses. They do some exposition for that on the boat too. Whenever they're playing cards, he's like, "I wouldn't be able to see you without my glasses." Like, <laughs> yeah, I gotta be able to see the cards to cut them. <laughs> so I mean. Fine. I'm not. I wear glasses, so I'm not saying that if you wear glasses that you're not capable. I'm saying that if you were alive in 1926 and decided to become an adventurer, and your eyesight was so poor that without your glasses you couldn't see, then at least carry a spare pair somewhere that you could get to them easily in a nice, solid wooden case that couldn't be broken easily. Just or my thoughts. Wear one of those straps that gym teachers used to wear on their. Their glasses that go around that. the back of your head. <laughs> you can do that too. Sure. I don't know if they had those back then. They probably didn't, but you can take a piece of string. <laughs> <laughs> or wear a monocle. Said it could fall out at comedic times. <laughs> well, well, the Egyptologist had a monocle. Yeah. Because he's trying to get the book open and Rachel Royce walks up and he's like, oh, and it falls and just tangles from his yeah. I think you need a key to dingleberry that. vest or whatever yeah. they're called. I'm sure that's what it's called. <laughs> Was he a Shriner? What was with that hat? They all wear fezes. <laughs> well, him and many did. <laughs> but he was an Egyptologist, not an Egyptian, right? Well, it was like an Egyptian thing, isn't it? Fezes? Moroccan, maybe. 
I don't know. I'm not going to weigh in. Tell us. Because I don't know. Tell us what it is. But yeah, Mr. Burns, which is what I'm just going to keep calling him. Mr. Burns gets... Uh, has an unfortunate run-in with the mummy. The mummy. He sucks out his eyeballs and tongue before they couldn't stop him. And then he meets our heroine, who now realizes how royally she fucked up. <laughs> yeah. All in that moment. If she entreated you to not leave her after your eyes and your tongue had been taken, <laughs> would you have been able to listen and, like, try and do something for her? I think I mean, even if I could. Well, you could hear, but, like, <laughs> the best you could possibly hope to do is you could stand up, maybe, with some difficulty, and then with your, like, 110% effort try to hear where the person was and walk towards them. What kind of help they needed and why they needed that help, you would probably be, maybe to surmise that it had something to do with the creature that's ripped out your eyes and tongue. How much you'd be able to help, I don't know. The answer is probably not. I don't think I would. Yeah. If I were laying on the ground after just having my tongue and eyes violently ripped out of my face and somebody was like, help me. What if it was me? Uh, I'd try, but... <laughs> I'd stumble over and hit myself into the wall and go, like, oh, shit. Oh, Where? Warmer or colder? While screaming in pain. Yes. <laughs> I did like her reaction. Well, she saw Mr. Burns and freaked out, mm. but then she turns and sees the mummy and screams. Yeah. I also really appreciate that she doesn't have, like, a high-pitched feminine scream. She has, like, this, like, It's a very real, real, like, oh, fuck! Um, and he calls her knocks in the moon. Like that. More how he says it. And then O'Grady shows up. What's his name? O'Connell. That's the one. Gravy shows up. <laughs> Gravy boat. Gravy boat. <laughs> A square jaw. Comes running in. He's like, wow! And shoots the mummy. And... Thinks that he killed it. Yeah. Broguish American fashion just assumes that one shot to the gut to something that clearly had no vital organs would have killed it. What if <laughs> O'Connell... Was the first hunter in the supernatural universe? <gasps> it was actually Samuel Cole. Shh. Sorry. Shh. Sorry. Shh. And it probably wasn't even him. Sorry. <laughs> that was Remington. <laughs> and his crazy widow. Uh, oh, no, Winchester, Winchester. My bad. Apparently, <laughs> each other. Oh, so, really? <laughs> yeah. I mean. Um. Yeah. So the movie's alive, and they're all fucked, and. I just, whenever I watched this movie again, I didn't, I guess I just didn't really realize it, but we were watching it and I was like, all of this could have been prevented if she had just taken literally any one precaution about believing even 1% of this horrible curse. It all could have been prevented. Like, 100%. Yes. <laughs> she doesn't. But then the movie wouldn't continue. So what was the deal with the And then at that jars? point, I kind of was like... I kind of wish it wouldn't continue because I always forget about the chunk where they're back in Cairo. Mm. Like, I literally always forget that it exists. What was it with the jars? They, they were, were hers. hers. But were they her innards or his? His. They were his. So why did he need to get them back? Oh, wait, no, they were hers. They were hers. You're right, you're right. Okay, so... They were definitely hers because he had them sitting around her in the opening sequence where he was trying to put her back together. Okay. So they have her dried up innards inside. And they buried them with the Book of the Dead. 
they didn't do a very good job of making sure he couldn't find the stuff he needed to complete the ritual that he originally wanted to do. <laughs> yeah. They kind of, like, put it all together for him. Like, if somebody had found out about this and was like, hmm, I'll control this dude and yeah. wanted to put him back t- together. Oh, and that was the, the scene that you really like with, with Benny where he's, like, doing the different prayers. Yeah. To- <laughs> yeah. I just think that it's really funny that, like, you're like, oh, he's a Christian. And then, like, it's like, shh, 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 and he pulls out this giant mat of different religious <laughs> symbols. Like, I mean, what if Benny was the first hunter in the Supernatural Universe? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I imagine it would be something like uh, uh, Owen Wilson's character from Shanghai Noon, where he would write himself into all of these amazing events. Like, and I single-handedly took out this group of vampires. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so then he flips sides first chance he gets. Immediately. I mean, he does that every chance that he gets in the movie. And I don't get, like, I kind of like O'Connell's fondness for him, but I don't understand why. Because he literally leaves him to die multiple times. And O'Connell, I guess, is just a good enough guy that he tries, but, like, I don't think I'd be that good. I don't think that it's a fondness so much as it is he doesn't see a reason to necessarily flat out kill him. Like, he's annoyed with him, but he doesn't think that he needs to immediately die. Yeah. I I just mean that he, like, he attempts it, to help him. If it isn't my old buddy Benny. <laughs> <laughs> he, he has a, a genuine dislike for him, but, I, like, he also is a human being and doesn't want to leave anybody to get eaten or smushed or killed or whatever. So. Yeah. Except for that time where they leave that guy to get eaten. Just drop away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Except for that time. But other than that, they don't leave anybody behind. <laughs> but yeah. So to fast forward a little, yes. they go back to Cairo and Imhotep follows them and he's collecting more of his organs from the guys that opened the chest and hijinks ensue. And plagues start showing up. Plagues start plaguing around. They figure out that Imhotep is scared of cats. That's probably one of my favorite scenes. He just shoves a cat in his face and he goes, <laughs> and he disappears into sand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of a cool affectation. Like, yeah. he's has some weakness to something, but then, like, just wear some freaking cat masks. I like when or... Rick picks Evie up. Like, they realize that, that he's after Evie to bring back an ox to the moon, and um, Rick picks her up and drags her into the bedroom to lock her in there and she goes Jonathan help and Jonathan goes I can't he's tall <laughs> he's, he's big and, and tall <laughs> and he doesn't even move he just sits there <laughs> yeah. I mean he knows his weaknesses but also I think he wants to protect his sister so. <laughs> and then that's like that's when you see like the Americans are they're not bad people, as he says. Like, he's like, you stay here. Nobody goes in. Nobody comes out. And the guys, he's like, do you understand? The guys, like, yeah, yeah. No, nobody in, nobody out. And he's like, okay. And like, he leaves the two guys there to guard her, and they stay and they try to do a good job. But oh, and there was the scene with uh, Mr. Burns, where they leave him alone in the room by himself without a guard. Yeah. Yeah. Or anyone to help him. Yeah. And, you know, this blind guy who doesn't have a tongue anymore. 
He's fine by himself, I'm sure it's fine. Imhotep and Benny come into the room, and Benny introduces this guy as the prince, and, like, he had to have known that was Benny, for one thing. Like, there's no way. That guy's voice is way too recognizable. Second, why the fuck would Benny know a prince? Like, why would you think that that was a thing? And third, I don't know. Why wouldn't you vet this a little more, I guess? But And then Benny gets all creepy and weird and up in his space. And I got real fucking uncomfortable. Yeah, he yeah. kind of enjoyed his vindictiveness a little. But yeah. And unfortunately, the American that Max and I liked the most had kind of a, a cheap death. Yeah. It's kind of just like, and like he doesn't even have a chance to defend himself, really. And like, he's just sort of like, I guess it was the wind. And then the wind eats him. Yeah. <laughs> the sandy wind. Sorry. Heavy revolvers, too. He was carrying around like some pretty thick looking. Steel. Uh, I believe it was a cold peacemaker. Didn't make much peace that day. No, it didn't. Um, so, yeah, then the Egyptologists, oh. they're all just kind of running around, sort of on their own. And they meet Winston in the in the bar. Because mm-hmm. he meets Winston in the bar. Winston's so funny. He's mm-hmm. talking to that Egyptian woman, and then he sees O'Connell, and then he's just like continues his story as if he was talking to the same person the whole time. Yeah. It's just the most amazing, most seamless, most drunken old man yeah. thing that I've ever seen in my life. And walks through the fountain with his lady friend. And yeah. Someone spilled their drink. And then turns around and walks back to the fountain to talk to a <laughs> My mom has a friend like that. It's amazing. <laughs> He's a close talker and whenever he gets drunk, he just ignores everything around him. Um, well... Yeah, so, long story short, uh, at least in the Kai report, we meet Winston, and then some more plagues show up. Locus, water turns to blood. Were meteors part of the plague? Meteors. Um, Fireballs? Hmm. Well, I, don't I think it said hail. Plague. Satan's tears? Apparently people don't know what hail is. Well, hail that burns. <laughs> let, me, let me check. Acid rain? Did they just combine two of them? Like hell that burns. <laughs> uh, oh man. Yo, if you guys haven't watched the uh, Charlton Heston version of, I think it's called Moses. Charlton Maybe. Heston. Okay, I think I understand, but um, I have not watched it. Yo, the death of the firstborn of every family. Like they're going around putting lamb's blood on doors. Mm-hmm. And fucking, like, they keep looking up at the moon. And eventually they look up and you see this little tendril snaking out of the moon. And it's, like, descending, like, down into Egypt. And, like, it just hits the street and, like, starts spreading out, like, going under doors. And you hear mothers screaming. And That's terrifying. That's fucked up. <laughs> Lice or gnats. Thunderstorm of hail and fire. Hail and fire. Mm-hmm. Fire and ice. Wow, that's... No. That's the <laughs> shit. This is a much better book than that. They encounter the mob that has apparently been brainwashed through boil infection. That was quick thinking on uh, Jonathan's part. He He's running and the crowd starts running towards him and he just stops and starts going... They're easily persuaded, I guess. They give into peer pressure real easy. 
And then they get into a nice ass car. They do. They do. After she decides. It's ass shaped. A NASCAR, yeah. <laughs> it's like NASCAR, but different. Um, yeah, she figures out Bainbridge scholars got them mixed up in the book of Amun Ra is actually under Horus. Wait a minute. What year is the current time? It's either 1926 or 1927. According to this, the car in the mummy is a 1931 Duesenberg Model J. Oh, well, they fucked up. Because <laughs> the, the first scene was 1923. I know that for a fact. And then it was either three or four later. Four later? Four years four later. later. So it was either 1926 like or 1927. Sounds like a surgical instrument. Give it four later. <laughs> Sponge. <laughs> so they have this nice car from the future. Only just a few years in the future. Yeah. Uh, and they drive away, and they leave the one American guy behind. <laughs> they only leave anyone behind except that one guy. And <laughs> he was the, the most irrelevant of the Americans, anyway. Yeah, yeah, he was the kind of, like the sort of blandish. Like, I do believe he was the FBI liaison in Hellboy. Huh. He was indeed. Yep. Before he got the old Professor. Hellboy or the new Hellboy. <laughs> um, I, the first one. Yeah. Before no, he got a clockwork sanded. Yeah. So they fly out. Uh, Imhotep takes uh, Rachel Weiss. Yes. And Benny. After he has fully recovered. Yeah. Then he goes tornadoing back to Hamanoptera. So O'Connell, our Ardith, and Jonathan go to Winston, who still has his biplane from the war. Har. Har. <laughs> he just sets up a small, like, uh, like tea stand for himself out in the dunes somewhere. <laughs> he's playing like. Yeah. <laughs> He's classy, all right. So what he wanted most was to die in combat, which he didn't get a chance to do. Yeah. So they proposition him to take them back to Hamanoptera. And he's like, will it be dangerous? He's like, well, we probably won't survive. And he's like, do you really think so? (laughs) And he doesn't. And you're so sad about that. You know it's coming. I know. That's what he wanted. No. You would have preferred to keep him alive, like, doddering like an old man. I just, he was such a cute little drunk. <laughs> he was he was pretty great. Like, but that was one of my favorite all-time scenes in the movie. They fly to Hamanoptera when Imhotep gets there. And Imhotep raises this massive tidal wave of sand and starts sending it towards the plane. <laughs> and Brendan Fraser goes, Winston, pedal faster! And Winston looks in his rear view mirror and goes, Hang on, laddies! And he pushes the stick the stick forward and they go screaming down like this hill trying to outrun the dust storm. I'm like, that, I, just, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and then Evie goes, You're going to kill them. And Benny goes, That's the point. <laughs> like we're all thinking it. Yeah. <laughs> That's the idea. Yeah. <laughs> so they, the other three do survive, but Winston does not. And she stops yeah. the, the sand wave with a kiss. Yes. She does. And I wonder if he still smelled like death, even though he was regenerated. Probably. I don't know. Probably didn't smell good. Crashing in this... Eh, it was a great character. It was a very old-timey, very very romantic notion of like pilots and that, that era of being so close to your like fellow soldiers that you like regret surviving when they didn't. I just, I don't know. He was a nice character. He gets what he wants. He does. He dies. Saving the world. And 
they all go and get into <laughs> yeah they fight their way down and Jonathan gets a scarab under his skin mm. they come out he very accurately and deftly just yeah yeah they fight their way down to uh, well they fight their way through Imhotep's priests yeah that was actually a lot of fighting a lot of fighting and Jonathan and is trying to read from the book of the life Ing. I have a lot of respect for Brendan Fraser during that scene because all those guys were, were CGI'd in after the fact. Like, I'm sure that he had somebody that was acting against him. Like, he wasn't just by a himself. Lot. Some of those, the priest mummies were real people. I yeah, think. some of them were CGI'd, but yeah, a few of them were prosthetics. There was one very distinctly that I, like, realized was not a practical effect or a person, and I was like, man, like, he's able to act against these these not people that are yeah. here. They did a good job for being technology that at that time was still like kind of weird and hadn't quite found its place yet. Like there are times where like a thrust that he issues with the sword or like he goes to stab somebody in the chest or something and doesn't seem like it hits the way it should if it was yeah. going to a physical thing. But like it looks good enough. It, it doesn't really like it's pretty good. It was pretty good. Um, for that time those effects were, were decent. But they do not hold up. Like if that's if your thing is that you want the movie to you know look really good, then this is gonna be a hard time for you. <laughs> I think that they they hold up pretty well in comparison to some other stuff that came out around that time. It holds up really well compared to some stuff that's come out recently. That's that's true. That's true. But there's a whole lot of fighting, and then I don't really understand why, but I guess it's another part of this ill-defined curse thing. But Jonathan like emo. Something or other. Rashimulikashka, he says. And then all of a sudden, those same, same fucking angry goddamn guards are like, are you fucking kidding me? Second time, they all come marching out in formation and then get into their angry pose and then start hunting <laughs> our heroes for reasons. Yeah. Because they're not, they're not Imhotep's priests. He didn't summon them. Jonathan summoned them. So... Yeah, he did. And, and they're, they're not... Like, they're, they're the bodies of magi. Yeah, they're like the sacred guards. They're the the pharaoh's guards. So like, why are they attacking? I thought maybe they were just attacking random people, but that they would attack Imhotep too. I don't know why they yeah. didn't. So that didn't really make a lot of sense to me, other than just to be a fun action scene. It's fine, but and Anaxuna Moon's corpse is attacking Evie while this shit's going on. Yes, for reasons. Because in the beginning of the movie, the resurrection spell. He's going to stab her after her spirit goes back into her body. He's going to stab an ox in the moon. Like, he's got the knife above her, and that's when they stop her, and then the, her weird watery, flowy thing goes back into the well of whatever it is. But then in this version of the curse, or the ritual that he's performing, he has to stab a sacrifice instead of stabbing an ox in the moon, I guess, to, like transfer their souls into a different body or something? I don't really know. It's not really very well explained. Yeah. But, like, it seems like a different ritual for some reason. Maybe because he just wants her to have, you know, a not-rotted body. Which is kind of... It is a different spell. I mean, in the first one, he's trying to resurrect her. In the second one, he's trying to transfer her and resurrect her. Mm. But why? Why? I mean... Okay. He just doesn't want to... Like, she could rock those bones and those curves 
<laughs> she doesn't need to have some hot young mistress. Like, body's not everything, guys. So I don't anymore. understand why she can't just like. Regenerate like you did? Yeah, suck the juicy bits from Evie instead of... I don't know. I don't know. Just because. Because writers. And then... Jonathan finally gets his shit together. And figures out what's happening. It, it looks like a, a bird. Like a, a stalk. And... <laughs> and then Yeah. And he gets his shit together and finally completes the spell. I guess. That stops the... That stops the guys. That puts them under his control instead of under no one's control. Yeah. Or, uh, the tips of their spears are just poking into Brendan, Brendan Fraser's face. Yeah. Yes. He commands them to kill Anaxum on the moon, who, even though she is a mummy, still is mortal, I guess, and is succumbs to stab wounds. Yes. Because she needs to. Yes. Then that's fine. Like I said, we forgive a lot for this movie because we, we love it, but I'm still going to point out that that's stupid. That distracts what's-his-face enough, emotype enough, that Evie is able to read the incantation from the book, and a like Grim Reaper banshee thing comes and steals his... I think it was Anubis. Mortality and his soul and drags it off to the afterlife. His immortality. It steals... I don't know. Like, that... The visual is really cool, but I don't understand what the hell that's supposed to be. It looked like Anubis. No, well, no, 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 no. What, what, uh, it, what his, it's stealing. I don't disagree with you, Max. I think that that very obviously could have been Anubis, but that doesn't make any sense. Because it's not killing him. It's not taking his soul. It's just taking his immortality, his power. Yeah, it's taking, like, his Imhotep powers. But it looks like his soul. Like, it acts like it's, like, reaching for him, and it has, like, a... a it's incorporeal, but, like, it looks like him, and it's, like, reaching for him and stuff. Like, it looks like it should be his soul, but it's yes. not. It's just his immortal powers. Well, I just... The visuals there look cool, but they don't really make sense to me. But it's fine. It's it's fine. It's all fine. Is it fine? It's fine. And then he's all like, I'm a high priest. I know all about this shit, but apparently I don't know what the fuck just happened, because I'm going <laughs> to walk into this sword. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Benny's off stealing his shit that he's going to try to take with him. Lots of gold. Lots of gold. And here's the part that I was super fucking annoyed about. He walks over to this thing jutting out of the wall and thinks that it's a good idea to try to place something heavy on it. And even if it wasn't a fucking lever, is it that hard to set that bag down on the ground versus putting it over a bar <laughs> that's sticking out of the wall? He had to put more effort into walking over to the bar than he did to just dropping the bag for a minute. Yeah, but, I mean, lazy people are actually pretty resourceful when it comes to it. And when you think about it, lifting it up from a foot off the ground versus directly off the ground, you save yourself a foot. So, you know... I guess... Probably not. This probably wasn't a lot easier. But that enacts the city to start falling down. But, real quick, I just want to mention one of my favorite scenes in this movie, and I don't know why, I guess it's just because it's so ridiculous, is when they first find Benny in Egypt, or Cairo, he goes to run away from Brendan Fraser, and he throws a fucking chair at him. Yeah. <laughs> and the sound effect they give the chair is amazing. Yeah. It's like a boomerang. <laughs> slams into his back, and he just <laughs> and falls to the ground. Yeah. And Jonathan's just like, good shot. 
It's amazing. That was a great part in that movie. <laughs> I laugh at that every time I see it. <laughs> anyway. So, um, they start running out. Jonathan tries to go back for treasure. Treasure. He drops the book. And he does drop the way on his way out. He drops the book. Which is probably for the best. And the book and the key drops it in the same gloppy water stuff that... Um, What's his face? Dissolved back into. Yeah. And then Benny gets trapped inside. Okay. He, he got his <coughs> comeuppance. He as get his comeuppance. He got his comeuppance. As she said, as Evie said. Um. Yeah, and tries to save Benny, and just can't. Nope. And they ride off into the sunset. Seemingly empty-handed, but then we see the sheen of some gold underneath one of the saddlebags and the camel. A lot camel. of gold. A lot of gold, and that's how they buy all of their money for the second movie. Buy all of their money? That's they buy all of their <laughs> they money. They buy all of their money. They buy all of their money so that they can move into a house close to where they live. Yes. <laughs> that's the money. That's the money. Hope you guys enjoyed experiencing that with us. It's the money. Alright, so this one ran... Way longer. I made a prediction at the beginning of this that I thought this would be our quickest, and I was very <laughs> wrong. My favorite thing about this movie, probably the entire chunk of time when they're first at Hominoptera. From the time that they ride into the city to the point where they leave to go to Cairo. Okay. I shouldn't have probably mentioned it. My favorite moment of this movie is when he throws the chair at Benny. This <laughs> <laughs> is fucking great. It makes me giggle every time. <laughs> I like when they're in the biplane and the wall of sand is coming and Winston floors it and that little biplane goes screaming across the desert. That thing they flew over, I believe, is actually named. It's some kind of crater over there in the Sahara. Oh, okay. Like the weird, like, island in the sand that goes into, like, a... Yeah, it almost looks like a mesa or something. Yeah. Sahara Desert isn't in Egypt. It's in Africa. They filmed in the Sahara Desert. Oh. If I'm not much mistaken. Okay. <laughs> I was very confused for a second. Sometimes when they make movies, they film them in places, and then they say it's another place. They filmed the thing in Canada. <laughs> they film a lot of shit in Canada. They do. A lot. Supernatural is actually uh -huh. mostly filmed in Canada. And I believe, I looked it up one time, because I wondered, like, is, do they just have, like, are their locations just that cool? No. Well, yes. I mean, they have some really pretty stuff over there, but... It's because they're, the cost of filming over there is much cheaper than almost yeah. everywhere else, which is why they film over there so often. So, well, Don't quote me on the Sahara Desert thing. It was mostly filmed in Morocco, it says. Okay. All right. All right. So my least favorite part is pretty much everything that happens in like the second act in Cairo. Yeah, yeah. I guess I could have seen that coming. Okay. Um, Sorry, I'm being lame. That's fine. My... My least favorite part is the Magi's reasoning. Like, <laughs> we'll kill everyone on this boat to stop you from getting there. We'll kill all of you. You have dynamite. All right, here's here's the deal. We'll let you guys leave on your own, but you better leave. And the desert will kill you, but it won't. You guys didn't leave? What the fuck, guys? We trusted you. <laughs> we trusted a bunch of treasure hunters. Um, yeah. All right. Max, we uh, I I didn't like 
some of the stupid humor. Yeah. Like, when the Magi mummies show up, like, Brendan Fraser, like, does, like, a war cry at him, which just makes him look completely stupid to begin with. And then the mummies scream back in, like, big, overstretched mouth mummy fashion, and he's like, uh-uh, and he runs away, like, that's just the dumbest thing. I think it's funny. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a joke. It's sort of thrown there to be cheesy and sort of for the kids. I like it. But, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I'm willing to forgive a lot of this movie. Scariest part. Sure, the scariest part. Uh, You can just say you weren't scared. Yeah, I mean, I honestly like I at this stage of my life definitely not scared, but I'm even pretty sure that as a child I wasn't that scared by this movie. Well, you clearly don't overanalyze every fucking thing because I certainly okay, but like every other movie that we talk about, I'm scared by. So for me, it's a tie. There are two moments in this movie that I'm still scared about today, and they're not a jump scare. They're more something that, like, I personally would be terrified, and that is when Imhotep is mutilated, and then they wrap him up and put him in that sarcophagus and put bugs on him, which apparently are going to eat him very slowly. All of that is terrifying, but just that, even if it was only two or three days, that would feel like an eternity as you're in there slowly suffocating, starving, and being eaten to death. Like, that's awful, the hopelessness you would feel. But I guess, you know, his scratchings on the lid show that he didn't actually really believe that this was going to be the end for him. But uh, the other thing that scares me equally is that scene at the very end where Benny is crawling around underneath that... I was going to say... ...trillion-ton slab. Holy God, like... (laughs) It makes me so uncomfortable every time. Well, I was going to say the part where he gets stuck inside. Oh, well, I mean, yeah. Because that would have been bad enough. Yeah. Um, But then the bugs, too. The bugs, yeah. All right. Uh, So, overall, as a movie, I'm going to be really easy on this movie. I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. Because I think it's a fantastic movie. All of its flaws put aside... Like, the effects for the time, the writing, the humor, I just really enjoyed it. It's my favorite, like, one of my favorite movies. Nostalgia Factor plays a lot into that number, though. I'm usually very, very, very hard on these movies, but I'm actually going to give it an 8 out of 10, because I really just enjoy this movie. Like, it's just, it's got a lot going for it I really enjoy, and it has a lot of things that blend together that work pretty well and I enjoy the ride every time that I'm, I'm watching it and it's only after that I really stop to think about it and think that the plot holes bother me but they don't want to watching it yes you're giving it an 8 out of 10 also is that why you're saying yes? Uh, yes 8 out of 10 <laughs> I thought you were going to give an ambiguous 2 yeses up <laughs> <laughs> yeah I like it. it I just like that movie and it does have parts that bother me but like, it, it's just, I, I like that whole 1920s, like, you know. I'm into it. Yeah. It's like, it's a really fun, ambiguous time, and they mix time Like, they periods. don't have, like, giant, like, camping backpacks and, like, the latest polyvinyl, like, hiking boots or whatever the hell. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they have, like, hobnail boots <laughs> and, like, a cloth tent. Although, I do want to make an argument for, unless there's something 
extremely buoyant in O'Connell's pack. When he jumps over with that giant gun case, <laughs> I should have pulled him to the bottom yeah. of the pack immediately. All tools in there. A lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Never to be seen again. I guess mm. there was something. He wrapped an alligator in it before he went down. <laughs> or crocodile. I'm sorry. Crocodile. Oh, crocodile. Uh, scariness. I'm gonna give it like a two. Yeah, it's a, it's not really a scary movie. That's that's part of its charm, I guess, is that it's not super heavy on the scares. It's a good balance. But yeah, it's it's you know, like a a three out of ten for scare. Mm, what? Scariness. No, it wasn't. <laughs> no, zero. <laughs> <laughs> Two nose down. <laughs> um, but I was gonna like. Can you guys think of a movie that's come out in the past five years that you could consider to be even in the same vein of movie that you enjoy watching, or that you have the same kind of revelry for as you do for this movie? They just Whoa. don't make them like they, they used don't. to. They don't. Like, I can't think of anything that I enjoy watching as much as this. Any movie of any genre? Sure. Just something that has the same kind of fun feel to it that, like, isn't necessarily based in reality. but Adventure, just, slight horror. Sure, just a good time. Like, you, like, enjoy going back to and can watch two or three times a year. Definitely not As Above, So Below. <laughs> uh, 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 let me let me let me go rack my brain on that. All right, I'm sure there's something. We'll come back. We'll come back next podcast. No, we won't. We'll see if we remember first. That's the first <laughs> challenge. The second challenge is just to talk. About what about Fifth Element? Okay. Yeah, that's actually a pretty good point. When did that movie come out? Let me say. No, I haven't seen that in a while. But, came out for fucking ever ago. Yeah, it's a great fucking movie. It is. Yeah, but, but he said within the last five or ten. I was years. thinking more like so, a recent thing that's come out. Like, is there anything that has? has okay, come well, out? let's like around nineteen ninety nine, perhaps. That was twenty years ago. Well, okay, recently. I'm thinking like two thousand ten well, to two thousand twenty. The Fifth Element was uh, nineteen ninety seven. Yeah. So it came out before this. Wow. Okay, so there's a movie from around that time that I like wow. just as much. Yes, <laughs> I'm trying. To, I'm, I'm okay, asking. I will look at the last movie five years. The whole the point years. of this is that years. movie quality has decreased significantly since. I just think that this hit a perfect. It was a perfect storm. It came out at the right time. It had the right elements to it. It had nothing was too over the top. Like the the cheese factor was perfect. The horror factor was good for the tone. It was the Richard Cheese factor was perfect. It was, yeah. It's just, yeah. There are TV Frasier. shows that like I'll watch over and over again that have come out within the last ten years. Parks and Rec, Haunting of Hill House. Like I will watch the shit of those. Oh yeah, Kitty. They had mirrors in this movie. Yeah, they did. You but like none of them were the lesser glass. You don't know that for sure. Yeah, they um, came out with the Nazi Zombie Four. Whoa, that's not a movie. It's not. It's on Epic Games. So, just saying. Just saying. Uh, <laughs> I'm still trying to wreck my brain for a, a movie, and I just can't. <clears throat> also, I want to pose something to you guys. Max, I think that you're going to disagree with me on this, but <laughs> I argue that Brendan Fraser was the original Chris Pratt. Yes. Uh, like, he had that fun charm to him. He's He can be... Goofy, 
and over the top, or he can be like you know the tough action hero guy. Like he's, and he can do. I don't know that I've ever seen Chris Pratt do anything super serious, but I really like what I've seen of Brendan Fraser's serious roles. And I happily, I am a grown man, and there is nothing wrong with it. I will cry at that episode of Scrubs with Brendan Fraser. Yeah, that was pretty sick. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you know that Brendan Fraser actually retired because one of his kids got sick? Yes. Aww. We'll have to look into that. I actually think I've heard something slightly different, but similar. We'll have to look into it. Oh, I know for a fact that uh, something along those lines happened with... Rick Moranis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Who is going to be in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids 22 or whatever it is. <laughs> Honey, we shrunk fire. ourselves. I watched that movie probably a million oh, times when I was growing up. Longer. And the the he's having an attack because his potassium's low. We need to feed him a banana. <laughs> oh my god! Some nerd wrote that, and, was like, <laughs> and then the girl's gonna be impressed that he knows potassium. Bananas have potassium. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Oh, All right. right, we're done. So no, next week. Yeah. I've decided that we're doing Midsummer. Midsummer. Which okay. is was created by the same people who did Heredity and Get Out. Never saw either of those. Heredity was interesting. We may have to do it for this podcast. Is this heredity or hereditary? Uh I don't know. Whatever amount of syllables is necessary to make that movie complete, that's the one that was I'm talking about. Well, we, we may have to watch that. Um, yeah, we may have to do that one. It was weird, and I've heard mixed reviews about Midsummer, and people they compare it with Get Out and Hereditary. Hereditary. <laughs> um, <laughs> they like they're like I like Hereditary most, and I like Midsummer most, and I like Get Out most, and. So, like, oh, so it's like the Coronado trilogy where people argue, like, Hot Fuzz was the best. Like, yeah, it's kind of like that. Like, okay. they people get all uppity about it. So, Can you pronounce that name right? Hot Fuzz, <laughs> yes, Hot Fuzz. <laughs> Did I pronounce that correctly? <laughs> what <laughs> Coronado trilogy? Did Coronado, yeah, I've never heard them called the Coronado trilogy. Oh, perhaps I'm off my mark. Then. Oh, do you mean um, a Cornetto? Perhaps. The ice cream thing? I guess. Because in the first two movies, at least, like, uh, Nick Frost always wants a Cornetto. Huh. I suppose that's what it is. Like, when Sean goes to the store, he's like, you want anything? You're like, Cornetto. Uh, okay. But it sounds like he's saying, like, call it home. <laughs> he's like, Cornetto. <laughs> I yeah. spaced out again. So that's the movie that we're doing. We're doing Midsummer. It's my pick. All right, watch it. Tune in. Or don't watch it and tune in, or don't tune in. Yeah, I mean, whatever. we're gonna explain. Feel free it to, to not you. tune in. We're gonna explain it to you. So if you don't want to watch it and you want to hear you don't, us, if you don't want to hear it word for word <laughs> described to you by us, <laughs> see, I thought we were gonna be able to avoid that with doing the Mummy because we won't see it. <laughs> Me fucking too. I thought we could, like, just give the cliff notes. I thought we could talk about the things we enjoyed, and then that would be all. But no. There's so many things. And then Kitty was like, let's put a magnifying glass over every letter. I like to talk about shit. I must say, it starts with an ox in the moon's left foot. (laughs) Then her right. And then we see her shapely legs as we move up the body. Fade in. (sighs) 
Uh. <laughs> oh, they had some really funny, like, 90s-style cuts in this movie, too. Like, the the screen would be black, and then the, the blackness would split in half going up and down on the screen. I don't know if I'm explaining this in a way that people understand. It is but... called a screen wipe, and Star Wars is probably the best known for exhaustively representing screen wipes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's scroll from the left down. From the right down. <laughs> from the center to the center. <laughs> like literally every screen wipe that is exists is in one of the first six Star Wars movies. <sighs> well, I think that's a good place to end. Bye. Later. Thanks for listening to Hounds of Horror. If you enjoyed our podcast and would like to know how to support us, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash houndsofhorrorpod. If you support us on Patreon, you get access to some cool Patreon-only items, or just have the satisfaction of knowing that you're helping us create more content.